everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Tech Talk with Terry. Today we'll be exploring the use of virtual and augmented reality through the varied experiences of four callers. I often hear the terms augmented reality and virtual reality used synonymously. However, this is a common misconception. When I speak about virtual reality, I'm talking about the captivating experience into a realistic, computer-generated 3D world. Oftentimes, VR requires users to wear a headset that immerses them into the virtual world through audio and 360 visuals. With VR, users can interact with the virtual environment around them, mimicking the experience of being in a physical space. Augmented reality, on the other hand, adds digital elements to a live view, often by using the camera on a smartphone. One example of AR that comes to my mind is the Pokemon Go app, where users search for and catch Pokemon that appear on their screen, but are not physically present in the real world around them. Like all of the technology we've spoken about on our show, virtual reality has its benefits and drawbacks. First, we'll speak with Amanda, who has had some interesting experiences using VR for dating. Hi there, my name is Amanda and I'm calling into your show because I think that there are a lot of common misconceptions concerning virtual reality and augmented reality that aren't really talked about enough. Hi Amanda, thank you for calling into the show. What exactly are the misconceptions you're referring to? Well, I have a personal experience to share if time permits. Absolutely, I'm sure our audience would love to hear a different perspective on VR and AR. All right, well, have you ever seen the Black Mirror episode San Junipero? I've had a very similar VR experience, but it didn't exactly end the same way. That's one of my favorite episodes. Of course I've seen it. So you're saying that you didn't end up happily ever after in the cloud with your companion? No, not at all. And it actually gets worse. Not only did this person, Josh, not end up being my soulmate, but he wasn't at all who he said he was. And I had no idea. Oh no, that sounds awful. What exactly happened? Well, I was getting tired of online dating, and I found dating apps like Tinder and Bumble weren't cutting it anymore, and I wanted to try something new and exciting. Then I heard about VR dating, and I thought it would be an amazing experience, so I signed up. It was very expensive to buy the VR headset. It set me back about 400 bucks, and not to mention my $50 monthly subscription to the dating service. But at the time, I thought it was well worth it. Yeah, VR dating isn't the cheapest. So what happened next? Well, after a few days of using the dating service, I met Josh. He was everything I was looking for and more. We went on quite a few virtual dates, and when I started to get really interested in him, I asked to see his other online profiles to verify that he was who he said he was. And at first, everything seemed to check out. His pictures matched how he looked, and he had family and friends connected to his profile. But he was still hesitant about meeting in person. So were you eventually able to meet him? After some more investigating, I found out that several other users were having the same experience that I was. I contacted a friend of mine who works in cybersecurity, and it turns out that the dating service company was uploading bots with fake profiles, fake pictures, and fake lives into the dating service in order to attract more customers. So Josh was never actually real. He was a virtual bot with virtual profiles attached to him. Every time I thought I was communicating with him, I was actually communicating with a computer, and I had no idea. I know of other users who are now hopelessly in love with the virtual bots that they met that don't actually exist in the real world. Needless to say, I'm currently pursuing legal action against this dating company. Wow, I've never heard of that happening with VR dating sites. I mean, I've heard of fake profiles and catfishing, but to upload a completely fabricated person into the dating site just to get more users is horrible. I can't believe they're messing with people's lives like that. 
I know, right? And I had to learn the hard way. Legally, I'm unable to disclose which VR dating site I was using, but this is a warning to anyone using virtual reality dating websites. Be very careful who you talk to. Even if they seem like a real person, you never really know if you're talking to a bot or a person until you meet them in real life. That is one of the biggest dangers of virtual and augmented reality. It blurs the line between what is real and what is virtual. Unfortunately, these VR sites are getting way too good at hiding their deceptions. But anyway, thank you so much for taking my call and having me on the show. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. That just goes to show you that something as incredible as VR and AR can have a dark side too. I guess not everyone is as lucky as the couple in San Junipero. Well, it looks like we're getting another call. Let's see what they have to say. Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. My name is Andrea and I'm a special education teacher here in Ontario and I'm a huge fan of your show. In my world, virtual technologies have the power to be such a game changer. Hi Andrea, thanks for calling in. Why don't you start by telling us a bit about your experiences using these technologies with your students? AR has been particularly helpful in my classes. The VR experiences are cool too, but can be expensive and can be a challenge for some of my students with sensitivities like autism. AR though allows those same students to hold an object and see it in an entirely new way. As educators, we're always looking for ways to connect to our students and to help them learn in a meaningful way. Helping them to find a new perspective is integral to learning experience and AR has really helped us to do that. I completely understand. I must admit that I'm not very familiar with how AR and VR is used in special education classrooms, but I completely understand in the power of providing a different perspective. I recently had the opportunity to participate in a VR experience that allowed me to live for a few minutes in someone else's shoes. It was powerful to get that different perspective. It was impossible to go through that experience and not feel a tremendous sense of empathy as a result of that new perspective. That said, this kind of technology is not readily available in every household and may seem daunting to other teachers in your situation. Do you think that time spent learning new technology is a barrier to other educators? Absolutely, that and the cost are probably the two biggest barriers to integrating these technologies into the classroom. And I personally feel that special needs students are less likely to be able to access any kind of these technologies compared to other students. In order to help make it more accessible, developers really need to make sure that the technology is turnkey if it is to be used in an educational setting. But I think educators also need to be comfortable with not being experts in the technology too. I often learn alongside my students or else even let them take on the role of the classroom expert. A student can learn the technology and then help others in the classroom learn to use it well. Watching my students work together to solve a problem has been the best part of using the technology for me. Great point. I can see how the use of AR VR can be a steep learning curve for many, as these technologies are not readily available for use in students' homes or even at school. However, when students do get an opportunity to explore these technologies, they can be powerful tools for universal design for learning. With ARVR, all students, regardless of ability, strengths and needs, race or socioeconomic status can participate in the experience. This can be especially empowering for students with special needs as they come to recognize their contributions to their own learning as they participate in these rich virtual experiences. Absolutely, I think it's easy for us to see a student that perhaps has mobility issues and assume that we need to do things for them. But one of my goals is to help my students find a little more independence. I recently went to a conference where someone reminded me that if someone can't use their right hand, perhaps they can use their left hand. And if they can't use their hands, maybe they can use their feet. There are all kinds of technologies out there that can help facilitate independence for our students, but sometimes we just need to ask them what works for you. 
Exactly. The way I see it, virtual reality can make what was once inaccessible for students with disabilities accessible. For example, a student with a physical disability who requires a wheelchair can experience a virtual hike in the Algonquin Provincial Park using VR. The possibilities really are endless, and they can certainly be beneficial for all students. Thanks for highlighting these important benefits of using virtual reality with students with special education needs, Andrea. Take care. We have another caller on the line who's calling to voice her concerns about a new VR video game. Hello, my name is Rebecca and I'm a huge fan of the show. I'm calling today because I used to love everything to do with virtual and augmented reality, but now I'm starting to have some reservations about this new technology. Oh, I see. What reservations do you have? Well, my son Jacob has been using his VR headset to access the new Call of Duty War Simulator. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I think I read something about it in the news, but I didn't know it was made accessible to the public yet. Oh, it's very accessible. My son told me he found a link to the game through one of his online friends from Russia. Anyway, the Call of Duty War Simulator is a video game that immerses the player into a virtual war. The players have to use their weaponry, including everything from guns to knives to bombs, in order to destroy the opposing side. Well, I can see how that may be a bit concerning. But if it's just a game, then what's the harm? Well, for one, my son is now completely addicted to the game. The first thing he does in the morning is get his VR headset and join the game. He's on it all day, even though he claims that he takes frequent breaks to work on his online courses for school. I don't buy it. The game actually has a live-in feature, meaning that when his character isn't participating in the war, he can chat with his friends as they build weapons and discuss war tactics. They even have an option to create your own bunkers and living spaces. The game has everything, and apparently it has more of an appeal than my son's real life because he's never with us in real life anymore. Can't you place some restrictions on how often he can access the game and for how long? Unfortunately not. It seems like that's intentional to keep the players in the game at all times. It's gotten to the point where he started to show physical violence in real life when he's not in the game. He's gotten so used to being immersed in violence 24-7 that the violence trickles into real life now. The other day I tried hiding his headset out of desperation and that was the first time he has ever been physical towards me. Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that you're going through this. It seems pretty irresponsible to allow a game like this to affect real people's lives in such a dramatic way. And that's why I had to call into the show. I'm begging gaming companies and VR companies to consider the inevitability of addiction and real life violent consequences for the kids who are addicted to these games. I'm begging for any help or suggestions to get my son back to normal. Unfortunately, this technology is so new that not very many laws have been put in place to address violent VR video games and the possibility of addiction, let alone the real-life implications of these games. The last thing the world needs is to become more desensitized to reality. Exactly. And if there are any other parents in my position, please reach out to me. I'm creating a public Facebook group for parents against VR video games. And to be clear, the group is not against VR video games completely. I'm simply trying to help other parents in the same situation that I'm in. I definitely think that parameters must be put in place by virtual reality and video game companies to protect children against addiction and the desensitization to violence. At some point, you have to wonder, does this responsibility lie with the users and consumers, or is it the responsibility of the companies to ensure that their products are safe to use? You know, that's a really great question. Unfortunately, I don't have the answer, but what I can say is that I'm fully on your side on this issue. 
I think it's awful that these games are impacting kids so severely and in such violent ways too. If you'd like to learn more about Rebecca's Facebook group, it can be found by searching Parents Against VR, or you can email parentsagainstvr at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for bringing this issue to light. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Our next caller is Miss Lee, a grade six teacher who has used virtual field trips with her classroom. Thanks for joining us today, Miss Lee. Thanks so much for having me. So you've used AR VR with your students in your classrooms. Can you tell us a bit about some of the benefits of incorporating these technologies into education? Of course, with virtual and augmented reality, anything is possible. Experiences that are not feasible in educational settings, such as traveling around the world to explore different cultures, art forms, global issues, lifestyles, and more, now becomes a possibility. It transcends barriers of space, time, and equity as students can explore time periods, locations, and experiences that they may not otherwise have access to. Wow, so students are really getting a first-hand immersive experiences into these virtual spaces. Did you make use of VR or AR during the COVID-19 school closures in particular? Yes, that adds another layer to my point on removing barriers with virtual reality. While we couldn't possibly travel or even leave our homes for that matter during the pandemic, virtual reality acted as an augmented reality into field trips that we weren't able to attend. Since students didn't all have access to the headsets at their homes, we viewed 360 videos, such as those on 360cities.net. These immersive videos allow students to see an all-around view of a space, and they can pan around by clicking and dragging on the video, as well as zooming in or out. If students did have a Google Cardboard VR headset at home, the website also allows for integration with this device for a more immersive multisensory experience. For our biodiversity unit in science that occurred online, for example, we viewed 360 videos for different natural spaces, such as dense forests, rivers, and rainforests, and talked about diversity in organisms. Students were so engaged in this activity and came up with some really interesting points about our topic that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to gather through a worksheet or picture. That's incredible. We are so fortunate to have these technologies available for us in modern day education. Have you used augmented reality at all? Yes, I linked students to a website called Seek Education, where we took a virtual field trip to the Louvre in Paris to explore the elements of art in these world famous pieces. I'm curious, how did that work exactly? Well, each piece was displayed on Google Slide with a description and brief history. Students then scanned the QR code that appeared on the slide. Upon doing so, a link opened whereby students would see the art piece through their camera lens, blended into their personal environment. You could also move the piece around to see its different views and zoom in on particular areas to get a closer look. We saw Da Vinci's famous Mona Lisa right in front of our eyes in our very own homes. Wow, how did your students react to this? They loved it. They could now connect with the piece in new ways. For example, when we viewed the Mona Lisa, we were able to zoom in enough to see da Vinci's famous painting technique, which involved subtle blending and transitions between colors. These brush strokes are said to be so subtle that they're invisible to the naked eye. However, we were able to view these with the help of high definition AR. Thanks for sharing, Miss Lee. I'm looking forward to checking out Seek Education and 360 Cities for some virtual field trips of my own. It was so nice speaking with you. You as well. I'm always happy to share virtual reality resources to deepen the learning experience for students. Take care. Thanks to our four guests for calling in today and sharing their valuable experiences with VR and AR. 
I've definitely learned a lot about the uses of these technologies, and I hope you have too. Stay tuned for next week's episode of Tech Talk with Terry on video production and online representation. Thanks for listening.